Good morning, Springbrook. Well, you don't know me, but I know you. I've actually, even though I live an hour and 15 minutes away, I've been down here several times, sometimes just to enjoy your morning worship and sometimes just to hang around with Dan. I love over the years, as Dan and Rich have shared stories, of what God is doing through you at Springbrook Church. I joined in praying for you for HeartStrong Campaign and was excited about how that ended, and I'm praying for you right now for your Disciples Driven program and was so enthusiastic, uh, had much to celebrate about the number of pledges that were given. And I'm looking forward to the great things God is going to be doing for you in the months and the years ahead. So I've been looking forward to a long time. Actually, for months I've been looking forward to joining you and sharing with you this morning. At least I was looking forward to it until last Friday. Last Friday, I was on my way back from Michigan when a root canal went spectacularly wrong. You know, that kind of pain that's just debilitating. You can't move your body and you can't think. And my wife said, I guess you better call Springbook and tell him you can't make it. And I said, I'm not doing that. I've been looking forward to this too much. So yesterday afternoon, I got on some pretty strong meds. So your preacher this morning is on two different kinds of codeine. some antibiotics, some anti-inflammatories, and some cold medicine. So if in the middle of the message, if I start to speak in tongues, it's not my theology, it's my pharmacology. (laughs) And if you noticed, I was actually sitting during your worship time. It was just trying to conserve my strength because I wanted so much to be with you and to share with you this morning. I've been a pastor in the Chicagoland area for 35 years. I planted a church up in Lake Zurich and pastored it for 20 years before I started the last 10 years working with Converge to coach churches, to coach pastors, and to consult with churches through the storms and through successes of their life. I just love what God has called me to do. Uh, In about two weeks' time, my wife and I will celebrate our 43rd wedding anniversary. We Thank you. I'm pretty sure it's her fault, not my fault. (laughs) And uh, we have four grown children and 13 grandchildren. Our topic this morning is the storms of life, and I've been there and walked through the storms with you. I spent 15 years as an executive for Fortune 500 company before I planted a church. I've been through the storms in the business world, the storms in the church world, and, and now I help people through the storms in their lives. And so I'm hoping that God will speak to all of us through his word this morning. Our text is Matthew chapter 14, and you should have an outline in your program. You can follow along for the text this morning in your program, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. It's the New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Afterward, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy seas. At about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking it was a ghost. 
But Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And instantly Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, this morning we've gathered to look into your word, but we want to see more than just words. We want to meet you in your word. We long to hear your voice to speak to us in whatever storm that we are this morning, whatever our situation, with what you would have us to hear and having heard to live. So show us yourself, Lord. We ask that in your name and for your glory. Amen. Jesus' disciples were experienced fishermen. They knew how to survive storms at sea, storms in the night. They'd done it many times before. But this was a monster storm. They'd never seen anything like it before. The ship was heaving. The waves were pounding. The seams in the hull of the boat were opening. The water was coming in faster than they could get it back out again. They had done everything that they knew how, and they were out of tricks. After nine hours of battling this ferocious storm at sea in the middle of the night, they were out of strength, they were out of options, and they were out of hope. And they were baffled. Why was this happening? Just the day before they had watched Jesus feed 5,000 people with a few fish and loaves, an amazing miracle. God was with them. Life was good. And with Jesus with them and on their side, they were sure their life was going to be smooth sailing. And now here they were battling for their very lives, wondering what went wrong. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been blindsided by such a ferocious storm that you wondered if you were going to survive? And it might have been a storm of of, of ridicule, ridicule or criticism of opposition, a business reversal, financial problems. I stood and prayed with a couple here this morning after the first service, you know, that he was going through the storms. He lost his job and they cut back and, and they owe more in the house than they can afford to pay off and then he's got a temporary job but his health is deteriorating on him and And all the options seem to be closing. Maybe you're going through a health problem, a finance problem, a marriage problem, a family problem. Maybe it's a problem here in your ministry here at the church. And you just keep getting battered again and again and again. And like the disciples, part of us crying out and saying, Lord, we're in trouble. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're in a storm this morning. Wondering, Lord, why is this happening to me? 
Maybe you've just come out of a storm and you haven't recovered yet. Maybe you're facing a storm and you can see it on the horizon and you know you have tough times ahead. Or maybe there's someone that you love that's going through a storm. Would you identify what that storm is this morning? And keep it in your mind as we go through God's Word so you can hear what Jesus would say to you to guide your life or to use to help the life of that person around you. Because the fact is, we all go through storms in life, don't we? It's not a matter of will you go through a storm. It's a matter of when you go through the storm, how will you keep from sinking in despair? How will you keep from sinking in confusion? And how will you keep from sinking yourself from making bad decisions? I believe this morning's story can show us how that you and I can navigate the storms of life in a way where we do more than just survive, but we actually use them for good. If you're following along using the <coughs> sermon outline this morning, the first thing that Jesus says to us in the storm, Jesus says winds of change will cause stormy times. Verse 23 and 23 in the message paraphrase says, Late at night, the boat was far out to sea. The wind came up against them, and they were battered by the waves. The disciples were in trouble. Wow, it's at night. Everything is against them. They're far from land. They are in trouble. Do you get the point? They're in trouble because they're in transition. They left the shore. They're on their way to a destination. They're in a time of change. And times of change and transition are always dangerous and risky times. And we don't like storms of change, but when you stop and think about it, life is just one series of changes after another, isn't it? Life is learning to cope with changes that we didn't choose and we can't control. Parents die. Businesses fail. Friends move away. Your house value drops to half of what it was six years ago. Children grow and leave home. Life is learning to cope with a series of changes that we did not choose and we cannot control. Because trying to get from the safe shore of the past to the uncertain and unknown goal of the future is always dangerous and risky business. And on that voyage, there will be white water and there will be rough water of disagreements, of mistakes of misunderstandings and of downright opposition and criticism. And during the storms of change, you can feel battered and disoriented. And you can feel afraid. Because between the safe shore of the past and the unknown and uncertain future, it's a dangerous, risky journey. But without risk, there is no faith. And without faith, there is no future. You see, faith requires risk. You cannot discover new lands without losing sight of shore and launching out in the deep. That storm, the storm that you are in, is the only way to get from the safe past where you cannot stay to the future where God wants you to be. Between where you and where God wants you to be, there will be storms of change and trouble. Between where Springbrook Church is and where God wants you to be, there will be storms of trouble. Count on it. 
Winds of change will cause storms. The second thing that I believe Jesus would say to you and I in the storms of life, flip over your sheets, Jesus says, I am responsible for winds of change. Jesus says, I'm responsible for the winds of change. The disciples weren't in the storm by accident. Did you pick up on that? Verse 22, Jesus made his disciples, forced his disciples to get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Did you get that? Jesus literally forced his disciples to get into a boat that he knew was heading into a storm. They weren't in the storm because they disobeyed Jesus. They were in the storm precisely because they did obey Jesus. Jesus said, get in the boat and go. They got into the boat and went into a killer storm that is threatening their very lives. Has that ever happened to you? You're doing exactly what you think God wants you to do. You're trying to be obedient and you get blindsided. You get slammed and flattened by the storm and you're wondering what's going on. Why does God do that? Why does Jesus send us into the storms of life when he knows that they're there? I believe there's many reasons Jesus sends us deliberately into the storms of life. Sometimes he sends you into storms of adversity because that's where you and I are afraid. And Jesus can only deal with our fear and heal our fear and teach us lessons about our fear when we're actually facing our fear. We can't deal with our fear when we won't face our fear, when we're running away from risk and running away from danger and running away from challenges. So sometimes Jesus will send us to storms of adversity to face our fear because Jesus wants to rescue us from something greater than the storm. He wants to rescue us from a life of fear. He wants to rescue us from a life that is crippled by anxiety and worry and fear. And sometimes Jesus will send you and I into storms of adversity to face our fear because he wants to rescue us from a life that misses the exhilaration of living by faith. Because you'll never live by faith if you don't need faith, if you don't take risks. So sometimes Jesus will send us into adversity to feel the fear, to face the fear, to deliver us from the fear and to teach us faith. I don't know about you, but in my life, when I'm living out of fear and worry and anxiety, you know, fear kind of makes me a practical atheist. I mean, we say we believe that God is always present and always powerful, but when we're living out of fear and anxiety, we are acting as if he may not be with us or he may not know what's going on or he may not be enough power enough to control it, right? And so sometimes Jesus sends us into storms of adversity because it's only in the middle of our fear that we can learn that he always is there and he does care and he will take care of you in the storm and you can only learn that in the storm. And it's in the storm of adversity where we are pressing against our fear that we develop muscles of faith. And Jesus Christ wants his people to be men and women of faith, not living out of fear and worry and anxiety. So sometimes he will send you into adversity to deliver you from fear and to build muscles of faith. You say, but Dick, the storm I'm in this morning is really more of a storm of change. There's too many changes that are coming too fast. They're changes I don't like. 
Well, sometimes Jesus sends us into storms of change because he wants us to grow. Wouldn't you agree a person who is growing is changing? Sure. And a person who is not changing is not growing. And Jesus wants you and I to grow, to grow in his likeness, to grow in our ability to serve him. And so he will send us into storms of change to help us to grow. You say, yeah, but but God, I like my life the way it is. I don't want it to change. Stop the change. God, I like our church the way it is. I don't want it to change. Stop the change. But Jesus says, if you never leave the safe shore, you will never get where I want you to go. More importantly, if you never risk the change, if you never risk the storm, you will miss what I want to do in your life. In the storm. You'll miss what I want to do in your church. In the storm and in the dark and far from shore. Here's the truth, gang. You and I will never get where Jesus wants us to be by staying where we are. Individually and as a church, we will never get where Jesus wants us to be by staying where we are. So risk the storm. It may be dangerous out in the water in the middle of a storm, but it is more dangerous to be outside the will of God. Sometimes we can be so caught up in worshiping our changeless God, our God who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, our God who never changes, that we forget our changeless God is the only thing that doesn't change, and he created everything else to change. God built change into the seasons. You know, he built caterpillars to change into butterfly, water to change into ice or steam. He built change into the cycle of nature. Because our God is a creative God who's always making things new. In fact, the word new occurs 270 times in the Bible. Jesus talked about a new commandment, a new covenant, new wineskins. He said he came to give new life. He said one day he will give you a new name and a new song, and the Father on the throne will thunder, Behold, I make all things new, right? We have a changeless God. A creative God who is changing everything around us. And that God calls us to join him into the journey of change. To join us into the journey of the new things that he is doing. And he calls us out of our comfort zones. He called Abraham out of Ur to leave not knowing where he was going. He called Moses out of the safety and comfort of Pharaoh's home to risk escaping from Pharaoh, to risk surviving in the wilderness. He called David out of the comfort and safety of his father's farm to face a giant single-handed with nothing but a slingshot. And he called the disciples out of the safety and comfort of their family fishing business and their lifelong family religious tradition to plant his church. And if you believe in our creative God who is making all things new, if you believe in a God whose purpose is to change you every day of your life to become more like Him, if you believe in a God who has called you in your church to change the world for Him, 
Then you'll stop fighting the storms of change and adversity. You don't need to like the storm, but embrace the storm and see what God would do in your life and in your church through the storm. Jesus says to you, whatever storm you're in today, I am responsible for the winds of the storm. Will you embrace the storm and then say, okay, Lord, use the storm in my life. Use the storm in our church. Use the storm for good. The third thing that Jesus says to you and I in the storms of life is you may lose sight of me, but I'm watching you. In Mark's parallel version of the story, he tells us that Jesus went up in the hills by himself to pray, and he saw that they were in serious trouble. In the dark of night, in the chaos of the storm, in the confusion, they couldn't see Jesus. They felt forgotten and they felt alone. And in the dark of the storm, in the chaos and confusion of night, you may lose sight of Jesus in the storm and you may feel alone and forgotten. But look at the story. There's Jesus on the hill. He is watching them. They lost sight of Jesus, but Jesus never lost sight of them. And isn't that good to know in the storm? You may lose sight of Jesus. You may not sense his presence, but he has not lost sight of you. And he's not only watching you, he's praying for you. What a beautiful picture of Jesus on the hill praying for you for the disciples as they're battling the storm and sea. Jesus says, in the middle of the storms of your life, I am watching you and I am praying for you and I'm making sure that you have everything that you need to survive the storm. His eyes are locked on you. His heart is linked to you. And he says, you may not be able to sense my presence. You may not be able to see me at times in the confusion the dark. But I'm watching you, and I'm praying for you. And isn't that good to know? The fourth thing Jesus says to us in the storm is, when you need me most, I will be with you. I will be with you. Not might be with you, but will be with you. Verse 25, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on water. After nine hours of fighting the storm when they are exhausted and when they are out of hope, suddenly they see Jesus coming to rescue them. A typhoon could not keep him away. A hurricane could not keep him away. The very waves that were threatening to swamp the boat were mere stepping stones beneath his feet because when Jesus' friends are in trouble, he will be there with them. And that means if you are in a storm this morning, the first thing to do is look for evidence of Jesus' presence. Because if he sent you into that storm, he is with you in the storm. And nothing can keep him away. He'll come to be with you even if he has to walk on water. Because the wonderful news is Jesus not only sends you into the storm, he joins you in the storm. He walks with you and escorts you through the storm. He is with you when you need him the most. Now, 
to be with you when you need him the most is not the same as to rescue you when you want him the most. Jesus waited nine hours. They were exhausted. They'd given up all hope. They thought that they were going down for the count. Jesus could have come earlier. He was watching them. He could have walked across the water earlier. Why didn't he? Well, I don't know about you, but when I'm in storms, I want Jesus to rescue me, and I want him to rescue me now, right? Okay, this is a good time, Jesus. This is a day. Right now, this is my prayer. I'd like an answer. Jesus is with you when you need him the most, but that doesn't mean he rescues you when you want him the most. Because sometimes Jesus makes you and I wait, doesn't he? Why? Because there's some lessons we can only learn by waiting. Lessons of faith and patience, lessons of hope and perseverance. If you don't need to wait, you don't need faith. If you don't need to wait, you don't need hope. If you don't need to wait, you don't need patience. If you don't need to wait, you don't learn perseverance. And sometimes Jesus wants to teach you and I lessons of faith and hope and trust and perseverance and patience. Lessons that we can only learn by waiting. But waiting for the deliverance does not mean he is not there with you. And waiting for the deliverance does not mean he will not rescue you. It means he's there with you when you need him the most, and he will rescue you when it's the right time. And nothing can keep him from rescuing you, even if he has to walk on water. He will be by your side. The fifth thing that Jesus whispers in your ear during the storm is don't fear the storm because I'm in control. You won't fear the storm if you believe that I am in control. That night on the Sea of Galilee, the water streaking their eyes, the wind blurring their vision, suddenly one of the disciples shouts with fear and points. There's some blurry figure moving to them across the waves, appearing and disappearing beneath the swell. And they're terrified because nothing can survive on the water in a storm like this. It has to be a sea ghost. It has to be a sea demon. And so we read, when the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror. But Jesus spoke to them and said, It's all right. I am here. Don't be afraid. Now, these disciples have lived and traveled with Jesus for three years. They, they knew Jesus but they didn't recognize him. In the chaos and the confusion and the dark of the storm, they didn't recognize him. And I wonder how often in the storms of our life, Jesus is right there, but in the dark and the chaos and the confusion and our fear, we don't recognize him. Maybe we don't recognize him because you're not looking for Jesus. (laughs) If you're like me, you're looking for an escape. You're looking for the exit. You're looking for the solution. When you should be looking for Jesus, not a way out. Or maybe sometimes we don't recognize Jesus because like the disciples, we're just so exhausted and disoriented and confused and paralyzed by fear. Because fear can blind us, can it? Fear can blind us spiritually. 
I mean, it takes eyes of faith to see Jesus' answers to prayer in the storm when his answers aren't the answers you wanted. It takes eyes of faith to see Jesus' help in the storm when his help isn't what you expected. It takes eyes of faith to believe Jesus is in control when life seems out of control. And so it's in the middle of the storm that Jesus asks you a question. He says, will you trust me? Will you choose? You have a choice now. Will you choose to trust me in the storm, in the dark, in the confusion, when you're not sensing my presence and you don't recognize me? And the answers that you're getting and the help you're getting isn't what you want and life seems to be out of control. Will you trust that I'm still in control? Will you trust that the thing that you're the most afraid of, those monster waves that are threatening to sink the boat, those waves are beneath my feet and they're beneath my control. And I know you're exhausted and disoriented and I know you're off balance and I know you're confused and I know you're afraid. But will you trust me? I am watching you. I am praying for you. I am with you. And I am all ready to rescue you at the right time. Will you trust me in the storm? The sixth thing that Jesus says to us in the storms of life. Jesus says, risk a life-changing encounter with me in the storm. So let's go back to our story. Peter is exhausted. Peter, with the other disciples, has been bailing water out of the boat as fast as he can. He is desperately trying to keep the water out of the boat. He's desperately trying to keep himself out of the water, right? But what happens when he sees Jesus? He's ready to jump in the water. So Peter called to him, and the Lord said, If it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. All right, Jesus said. Peter went over the side of the boat into the water and walked on the water to Jesus. You know, perhaps our greatest failure in a storm is we're just trying to survive the storm, and we, Jesus wants to do a great work in our life in the storm. We want to huddle safe and secure down inside the hull of the boat, out of the wind and the waves, when Jesus is out in the wind and the waves, in the storm, calling us to a life-changing encounter with himself. And the more you and I try and miss the risk of the storm, we will miss what God wants to do in our life and in our church, in the storm, in the dark, far from shore. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. So what storm are you in today? Are you just trying to survive and when Jesus is calling you to a life-changing encounter with himself? You say, Dick, how do I have that life-changing encounter with Jesus in the middle of the storm? Well, the first step is to get out of the boat. <laughs> you've got to get out of the boat like Peter did. The boat is your comfort zone. It's where you feel safe and secure. Out of the boat is dangerous. But if you never get out of the boat, you will miss the exhilaration of clinging to Jesus in a storm, battered by the wind, soaked by the rain, pounded by the waves, but safe in Jesus' arms in the middle. 
of the storm. You will miss that life-changing encounter. And if you never get out of the boat, you'll never walk on water. You know, friends at Springbrook, you were not made to sit safe in a boat. God didn't make you for that. He didn't make you to sit safe in the boat of Springbrook Church. He didn't make you to sit safe in a boat of a church where we enjoy our music and we enjoy our friends. He made you to take great risks for Jesus Christ, to attempt great things for Jesus Christ. He made you to launch great endeavors in the name of Jesus Christ to change the world for Jesus Christ. He made you to take great risks to become like Him and to reach the world for Him, which is the whole point behind disciple-driven, isn't it? And you will never accomplish that inside the safe, secure church boat or in the boat of your safety. You have to take some risks. You have to get out of the boat. You know, the truth is, in the middle of a storm, the safest place is not in the boat. In the middle of a storm, the safest place is with Jesus. And Jesus isn't in the boat. He is out in the storm, in the mess and the muck and the wind of everyday life of the people around you. And he is calling you to get out of the boat and boat and join him in the storm. To meet him in the storm and to meet people who need Jesus in the storm. Because the safest place is not in the boat. The safest place is with Jesus. And he's not hiding in the church boat. You know, I heard lots of sermons on this growing up. And I believe every single sermon I ever heard focused on Peter's failure. How about you? The sermon focused on poor Peter. As as he looked at Jesus, he was walking on water. But silly, foolish Peter, he saw the problems. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to sink. Peter failed and Jesus had to rebuke him. That's not actually how I read the story. I think when Jesus said to Peter, why did you doubt me? Why is your face so little? I believe Jesus had a smile on his face and his eyes were laughing and going, Peter, what's going on here? I believe Jesus was delighted with Peter. Of 12 disciples, Peter was the only one with the courage and the faith to get out of the boat. Of the twelve disciples, Peter was the only one that wanted to be with Jesus in the storm more than he wanted to be safe in the boat. Of the twelve disciples, Peter was the only one that craved a life-changing encounter with Jesus and believed that in Jesus' power he could walk on water. And of the twelve disciples, Peter's the only one that experienced that life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And if he hadn't gotten out of the boat, he would have missed it all. So in the middle of the storm and you're trying to find a safe place down in the boat, is Jesus calling you to get out of the boat and to take a risk for him? You say, but Dick, I don't have Peter's faith. Peter was this giant of faith. I don't have that much faith. I can't get out of the boat. So the next point is just take one step at a time. You don't need to have giant faith. Just 
You know, Peter didn't plan this out, did he? Peter didn't spend weeks practicing how to walk on water. If I get my steps right, my balance, my momentum. Peter just took a step of faith. He just went over the side of the boat. A step of faith. And then another step of faith. One step of faith at a time. And that's all Jesus is calling you to do. Is take one step, one day at a time. And you're saying, Dick, you don't know the, the, the adversity, the problems in my life are just piling on so fast. I'm not sure how I'm going to survive it. And Jesus said, don't worry how you're going to survive it. Just take one step of faith one day at a time. And you're saying, Dick, there's so many changes in my life and they're just battering me left and right and I, and I don't know how I'm going to survive the changes. And so Jesus, don't worry about it. Just take one step of faith and one day at a time. It's my job to get you safely through the shores, through the storm. It's your job to get out of the boat and just take a step of faith. You don't need Peter's faith. You need faith as a mustard seed. And the third way to risk a life and change encounter with Jesus in the storm is to stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Peter wasn't out on the water taking a stroll. <laughs> He wasn't there for his entertainment. He had a destination. He would rather be with Jesus in the storm than be safe in the boat. How about you? Where do you want to be in the storm? Do you want the safety or do you want the Savior? You know, in storms of life, we all have crutches that we tend to grab onto to give us stability. Your crutch may be your bank account. It may be the stability of your job. You may have some addictive behaviors. You may have some fantasy or escapism behaviors. You may have a crutch of some friends you hold on to or even your pastor that you hold on to. But Jesus says the only thing that will give you stability in the storm is to hold on to me. Regardless of what happens with your job, regardless of what happens with the value of your home, regardless of what happens with your health and your finances and the circumstances of your life, the thing you hold on to is Jesus. Because when Jesus is all you have, that's the only way that you learn that Jesus is all that you need. So if you're in the storm of life today, are you just struggling for survival? Then Jesus is calling you to a life-changing encounter a fresh experience of himself and his power and his love and his grace and his rescue. Get out of the boat. Take a step of faith and cling to Jesus. Well, the final thing that I think that Jesus says to us in the storm is when problems engulf you, trust me. When problems engulf you, trust me. Let's read verses 33 to 30, 30 to 33. But when Jesus saw the... I'm sorry. When he saw the strong wind and waves, Peter was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. And they landed at Gennesaret. 
Peter started out great, doing all the right things in the right way. But as he got disoriented and confused and became afraid, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at the problems. And he started to sink. And when you and I, in the middle of a storm, get out of the boat into dangerous waters, heading to an unknown destination, an uncertain future, you may get disoriented and confused and afraid. And that's when Jesus says, will you keep your eyes on me? Will you trust me? And I believe he calls us to trust him in three ways. In the first, he says, trust that I will keep you from sinking. You may feel like you can't take any more, like you're going down with a ship. But listen, Jesus didn't let Peter sink and he won't let you sink. I get so tired of hearing Christians say, I don't know how I can take any more. You don't have to take any more. Jesus is there to take it for you. He promises he will keep you from sinking. And no matter what's going on in your life, when you feel like you are sinking, his strong arm will be there to hold you up. And in your church, when it feels like it's sinking, his strong arm will be there to hold you up. He says, do you trust that you are mine and you are my beloved and you have a future and I will protect you for that future and you will not sink. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The second thing he says is, will you trust? I will calm the storm. As soon as Jesus got in the boat with the disciples, the wind stopped. Okay, here's the point. The disciples wanted Jesus to calm the storm, right? Jesus wanted to calm the disciples in the storm. And in the storm that you are going through now, you probably want Jesus to calm the storm, but Jesus wants to calm you in the storm. Those are the lessons of faith and hope and patience and perseverance, right? And then he will calm the storm. The third thing that Jesus asks you to believe is that I will get you where I want you to be. Jesus got the disciples safely to the other shore, to, the, to Gennesaret. But he got them to a more important destination because if you listened in verse 33, it says, and they worshipped him. And that was the destination that Jesus wanted to get them to. And that he wants to get you to in the storms of life, to worship him, to trust him, to love him, to depend on him. He wants to get you to a place of worship when you meet him in the storm and worship in the storm. He wants you to worship with a fresh sense of expectancy and urgency. He wants you to worship with a fresh sense of spiritual health and vitality and a fresh sense of power because when you are people who are living in the storm and worshiping God in the storm and worshiping God as you are being pounded by the wind and the waves... Those are the moments in your life that you will never forget. When you are worshiping God safe in his arms in the middle of the storm. And that people in that church is the kind of church where they get to church early. Because they don't want to miss a minute. And they arrive prepared hearts and expectantly. And they prepare and they participate enthusiastically. Because they know they are worshiping the living God of the universe in the middle of the storm. 
And those are the moments in life that are life-changing and that you will never forget. You know, for Peter, that day out on the ocean in the storm with Jesus was the can't-miss moment of his life. The wind on his face, the waves beneath his feet, but held safe in Jesus' arms in the middle of the storm. And if you had said, Peter, was it worth it? Was it worth the nine hours of battling that storm when you were exhausted and out of hope and thought you were going to die? Was it really worth it? Was it worth it when, when you were sinking beneath the waves, the terror that you felt? Was it really worth it? And Peter would have said, I wouldn't have missed that moment with Jesus for anything. Not for anything. Because that was the life-changing moment with God in the storm that he made me for. And my life was never the same after that moment. And for the rest of his life, Peter would remember that moment. Safe in Jesus' arms in the middle of the storm. And if you ask Peter what the greatest failure was, I think he would tell you the greatest failure was not his fear in the storm. The greatest failure was not him slipping beneath the water. The greatest failure is not even drowning. The greatest failure is missing a life-changing encounter with Jesus in the storm. Because he got out of the boat and took a step of faith and clung to the Lord. What is it that God is trying to do in your life today? And you are seeking safety you're seeking survival. And he is calling you to a place where he can do something miraculous in your life and through your life that will become the can't-miss moment of your life. Even in the storm that you hate. Will you bow with me in prayer? What's the storm you're in this morning or you've been through or you know is ahead? What have you been grabbing onto rather than Jesus for security? Have you been looking for an exit and escape, a rescue, rather than looking for the Lord? Have you desired the safety of sitting secure in a church boat? rather than joining Jesus in the storm with people who need the Lord? Where are you living out of fear rather than out of faith? Lord, speak to our hearts. You know where we need assurance and comfort. You know where we need to be challenged. Lord, we don't want to waste the storm. We want to use the storm to grow. And we want to use the storm to glorify you. Show us how to use the storms for life-changing encounters. For your honor, for your glory, for your power, and for your kingdom, we ask it, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Dick, I want to thank you for being with us this morning at Springbrook. And this morning you might be facing a storm. Uh, maybe you've come out of a storm and you just want to celebrate and praise God for that. Um, our prayer team is going to be coming up uh, towards the end of the service. And 
like to invite you to come up. They would love the opportunity to pray for you. Uh, love the opportunity just to celebrate what God's doing uh, in your life with you. And so after the service, uh, please feel free to come forward uh, so a member of our prayer team can pray with you. Also on the inside of your program, you've got a welcome slip down at the bottom. And so if you could go ahead and take your welcome slip out now with me, and uh, you can put your first and last name on there, uh, the names of any adults that are with you. Uh, we'll be collecting those in just a moment. But down at the bottom, there's a little place for you to write any prayer requests that you might have. And so uh, please take an opportunity to uh, interact with that. Um, our ushers are going to go ahead and come forward now, and um, we're going to collect our tithes and offerings as well as collect those welcome slips uh, from you. And, and uh, while they're doing that, I just I had a video I wanted to share with you from our VBS. We had a great VBS last week. Uh, we've got a video of that to share with you. And so while the uh, ushers are collecting the welcome slips and tithes and offerings, let's watch this video together. for VBS. If you helped with VBS, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Thanks to all of you that invested in the lives of our children last week. We had uh, over 100 kids here. I think it was 110 kids. We had eight children made first-time decisions for Christ.